Hi, this is Natalie Hoffman of FlyingFreeNow.com, and you're listening to the Flying Free Podcast, a support resource for women of faith looking for hope and healing from hidden emotional and spiritual abuse. Welcome to episode 181 of the Flying Free Podcast. I am going to introduce this episode uh, a little bit differently because I actually interviewed a beautiful human being that, and you're going to absolutely die when you listen to this interview because it is so full of amazing truths and profound realities that I just, I am, I'm just so excited, but we spent two hours talking and there's no way that I'm cutting out any of it. And rather than having, usually my episodes are about 30 minutes, 30 to 40 minutes, rather than having this really odd two hour episode right in the middle of everything else, that's kind of about 30 to 40 minutes. I thought I would just break it up into three parts. So, um, I know some of you guys have given me feedback and said, I really wish your episodes were longer. I just love listening to them. And I love that. I, I think that's amazing. and It makes me so happy. But um, I, I like I'm one of those people who likes to be consistent and I want this uh, podcast to be consistent as well. So we're going to keep it to about 30. Each of these episodes will be about 30 or 40 minutes. And um, there's going to be three of them. And and hopefully each one will just give you you'll be more excited to listen to the next one because these are chock full of truth bombs, profound gems of insight and wisdom that came out of Amy's life and a lot of pain and abuse and heartache. And she is one of the most beautiful human beings I have ever known. And talking to her was, and no getting to know her the last few years has been an absolute honor. So, um, without any further ado, I will be, we will begin episode 181. Before I introduce my guest today, I need to give a disclaimer I have a bad upper respiratory virus and I had the, I had to make a decision about whether or not to record this episode. And I just decided to heck with it. I'm going to record it and we're going to try to get through. So just excuse my voice. Hopefully we'll get Amy talking more than me and you won't have to put up with me for that much for that long. So today I have with me, Amy, she's a very special guest. She's been a member of the flying free and flying higher communities for several years And she has done her work. And by that, I mean that where she started out in her life experience and the ways that her brain had been programmed by the various types of trauma in her childhood and adult life had her deeply tangled up and stuck. But she made a decision in spite of all of the forces holding her down and trying to keep her back. She made a decision to do something different. She made a decision to get help. And not just to join Flying Free or to join a program or to get therapy, but to actually dig into the tough emotional work of figuring out the root causes of all the things that she believed and how those beliefs had set her up to continue in the same cycles that she had been spinning in since she was a small child. She learned the skills, how to interrupt that cycle and move into really extreme discomfort in order to do that unraveling and that healing. And ultimately Amy has made so much progress and come out on the other side. Now, not that we go on and we never experience hard things, not at all. Okay. I think she, she wouldn't say that she's 
completely not challenged anymore that she doesn't uh, struggle with these things, but her new way of seeing the world is no longer, I like to call it like the caterpillar perspective, which is, you know, caterpillars are stuck on the ground. They can't see that far in front of them. They're trying to survive. They're trying to just, they basically have one function and that's to eat and survive. And, but that's one perspective, but then there's the butterfly perspective which is a higher perspective. It's where you can fly above your circumstances and see things more objectively, see things more long-term. And I think more accurately and truthfully. So a couple of months ago, I gave the members of the Flying Higher program, which is a program for Christian divorced women, an assignment. And I asked them if they would make a list of the thoughts and beliefs that they had prior to going through my programs. And then the thoughts and beliefs that they had now after they had done this personal development work that they had learned to do in flying free and then in flying higher. And Amy got super serious about this assignment. And when she's, she sent me her list and I was absolutely blown out of the water. And I was like, you have got to come and share this with the podcast listeners so that they can see what's possible for themselves. Because you guys, Amy, and she would tell you this, she is not a unicorn. Okay. She's had some of the most egregious roadblocks and setbacks and suffered the worst kinds of abuses her entire life. And honestly, if Amy can do this work and have the kind of personal results that she has gotten in her own life, anyone can. And it's not like Amy's situation has changed. Her circumstances, much of them are very much the same. It is her brain and the way she looks at it that has changed. I think she's the poster child really of what's possible after a life of being an abuse victim. And I am so honored to introduce her to you today. So Amy, welcome to the Flying Free Podcast. Thank you, Natalie. I feel very honored and privileged to um, to be on the podcast. It's a bit of a full circle moment for me. So, <laughs> so very, very thankful. Oh, I'm so glad to have you. And I'm excited to share your story a little bit with, with um, the listeners. Although I have to say, I, I want you to give us a, like a high view overview of your life story. But um, you, you and I have talked about this, how you are going to actually go into much more detail and share your story, your whole butterfly story with the members inside the program where you're not going to share it to the public, but inside the program, we're going to be doing that mm-hmm. this summer. So if you are a member, you'll get to hear Amy's story this summer, but for now, just with the podcast listeners, can you just kind of give us an overview of your life from childhood till, till now, and then we'll kind of get into your, the ways that your beliefs have changed. Um, it's very difficult for me to share my story, um, with people because it involves people who I love. And that is the tricky thing. Um, I think for a lot of people who have suffered injustice or abuse or neglect or, um, anything like that, it's really hard to talk about it because you almost feel like you're hurting the other people Mm -hmm. when you talk about the things that have occurred to you. Um, I grew up in a home that was um, very religiously based. We grew up in a very specific uh, denomination. My parents both came from that denomination. 
and they married, they came from traumatic backgrounds. They had trauma in their life. Um, and they came in a generation that believes that you just got over things. You just, you know, let God do the healing and you moved forward. And I think they didn't realize how much their trauma came into, um, their marriage and into their life. And we're learning so much in our culture now about how trauma, it affects the body. And then it also affects your children, even your preborn children. And so I think trauma has been a part of my life's journey since conception. Mm. And, um, yeah, when I was a, a child, I desperately wanted to be loved. I realized in my forties through this course and through another course that I did that I have an idol of love and peace. And so throughout my life, I, in many ways, in many healthy ways, I found love. And in also many unhealthy ways, um, love was given to me and I accepted it. And so there was, um, there was, um, physical, uh, altercations that I saw within my home. Um, there was, uh, Sorry, it's hard to talk about, um, but I want to be able to talk about it because I, I hear more and more about how this is a part of many women's journeys mm -hmm. um, and even boys as well. Um, there was sexual abuse within my, uh, my personal history. And I grew up with this belief that, you know, I wanted to be a mom and I wanted to be married and that desire coupled with the idea of um, wanting to be loved and have, and have peace in my life opened myself up to really not being able to see red flags properly and um, accepting love that was the best that the people could offer, but really was damaging to me. Um, and I believed in forgiveness and I believed in peace. And so I often compromised myself unknowingly and also um, in order to not only get love, but then once I was in a relationship that was loving, um, I would keep the peace or create peace at any cost. And a lot of the times the cost was myself. Mm. I really sacrificed my own being in order to make other people happy. Yeah. So, and, and all of these people that were part of this journey, these are people who I genuinely do love and care about, and I'm rooting for them as human beings. Um, maybe that's part of my trauma still, still shining through. Um, I don't, you but, know, I don't think so. I think that I actually think that a lot of survivor Christian survivors really do have authentic love and care and concern for the people that abused them in their lives. And they, and that's not to discount those who don't. Okay. I think that it's equally as valid to have that, those kinds of feelings and to want, I mean, a lot of, I mean, you know, in the forum, people will be like, they want what's best for their husband. They feel terrible that they, some of them might choose to separate or get a divorce even, and they don't want that. That is the farthest thing from their minds of what they want, you know? And then, but you'll also read other people that will have 
that'll be like, I can't stand him. I can't wait to get away. When I got away, it was like so much relief. And there's all, there's that perspective too, but they're both normal and they're Mm -hmm. both valid, I think, but I can relate more to you. I, I can relate more to, I, I really, really want relationship with these people that hurt me so badly. And I don't think that that's dysfunctional. I think, honestly, I I like to think, I don't know, this is just my belief, but I like to think that's the Holy Spirit living inside of us. God sees these abusive people. He sees their potential. He sees what he originally created them for. Mm -hmm. And they've chosen so far not to live into that identity that he has for them. And when we can see that it breaks our hearts, just like it breaks God's heart. But also I think that we have, as Christians, we have hope that God is powerful and he's good and that he can one day restore even them. And, but, Mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean that we throw ourselves, you know, we throw ourselves to the wolves just because it hasn't, they haven't decided to, you know, enter into the peace that God has for them quite yet. Yeah. I think that is generally my desire is that I want the best for them. And the problem is, is that sometimes I get too close to these people and then I lose myself in them. And so having boundaries and understanding that concept of boundaries so that I'm actually, it's not about telling other people what they can and can't do, but it's creating a protective space in which I can grow and thrive and become rooted and, you know, become that tree by the riverside. But you have to be able to protect yourself from your own tendencies and then also the tendencies of other people so that you can become that person for the world. Yes. Yes. So true. Okay. So how did you find, um, how did you find flying free? Why did you decide to join and what, where kind of, where were you at, at that time? I heard about flying free. Um, a friend of mine actually sent your podcast to me. Um, this was a friend that I, a very close friend that I had, she was a very strong personality. And I just thought that if I could become more like this person, (laughs) I would, I called it like channeling my inner, her name is Lorraine. And I would, I would try to channel my inner, inner Lorraine in order to become (laughs) a stronger person. And you know, it doesn't work. It's like putting on someone else's clothes and expecting that it's going to, it's going to make a difference. It doesn't. Right. And so she, over the years, she had, we laugh about it now because we gave really horrible advice on how to kind of cope with the hard things within the marriage. And, um, she sent me your podcast And I started listening to it. And it was the first time that I really, really related. Um, And then I listened to it. I think it started in 2018. I think you started your podcast. And then I separated. I had a pretty bad mental breakdown. And I separated in um, early 2019. So I just continually would listen to the podcast. The one on boundaries, I think I've listened to it like more than 10 times. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of them I will just re-listen to because there's so many good things. And as I experience things, I'll re-listen. And then of course, through the podcast, um, the, the group was an option. And I think at that time you were kind of offering it in like every six months type of thing. So 
the first time I thought, no, I'm not going to do it quite yet because I was heavily involved in doing some work with a counselor. And I was also doing a course called, um, how people change, which was by Paul Tripp, yeah. um, which is, there's an interesting crossover because a lot of that work, um, is, is very similar to the model work that you do in your course. So after a couple cycles, I also did Leslie Vernick's introduction to core, which was really helpful just to understand that, um, what core stands for. And, um, that was really helpful to me. I just did the introduction course, but I really gravitated towards, um, flying free. The other thing that I did is I was also involved in another relationship within my marriage. And it was a relationship that started with somebody that I had met when I was 12. And I was very much so ashamed of that. And I remember reaching out to you and kind of testing the waters and, and, and telling you, like, I had already at that time told my husband and, ex and experienced a lot of fallout around that. And we were already separated too, but I reached out to you because I thought, is this going to be a, a, a space for me? Because I didn't want to mm -hmm. put myself in a group where it would be triggering for other people. For one thing, I didn't want to be harm, cause harm to other people. And second of all, I wanted to enter a group in which I could be myself. I could say, this is me. This is all of me. I need help. Can you help me? And you responded to me very graciously. And I thought, okay, I'm going to try it. And so that's when I joined Flying Free. And then I joined Flying Higher around a year after that. Are you a woman of faith who also happens to be divorced? I've been developing a brand new program that will give you the tools you need to manage your thoughts and emotions, grow your self-confidence so that you can take risks and do things you never dreamed possible, and so you can build happy, healthy relationships with other people. Did you know none of this good stuff depends on your outward circumstances or your past? You can generate the life you've dreamed of all by yourself, and I'm going to teach you how through online classes and transformational coaching. Are you ready to take your new life to the next level and fly higher? Learn more and get on the waiting list at joinflyinghigher.com. And I just want to say too, that you have been such, you've been like an angel in that group for so many people. You haven't just, um, I know that when you share the things that you used to believe and the things you believe now, I know that you would say that you've gotten a lot out of the group, but you've put far more into the group than you've gotten out. You've been, you're, you are such a contributing member and encouraged so many people by the ways that you've changed, but also by the ways that you encourage other people. And there are, there have been several women coming into that program who have experienced, who have had affairs in their relation, they've been in these abusive marriages for years and years and years. It grew up in abuse, ended up having an affair, which actually is not that uncommon when you have been, <laughs> when you've been treat yeah. mistreated your whole life. And then someone comes along at the right time and offers you relief. Yeah. That's a temptation to take, to take it. And then it just as you would say, it complicates everything because now you're, 
it just adds just another like 500 layers to the whole thing. Right. Layers of healing. So, um, but you've been a, a, you've been a great help to so many people in that program. Tell us let's now you did this assignment. You went like over and above, which I feel like that's kind of your MO a little bit. (laughs) You're, you're probably the kid in school that, you know, you, did you get your homework turned in a week in advance? And it was, no, I would, I had extreme, no, I had like really bad, um, learning issues. I don't know. It would probably be diagnosed with something nowadays, but I know not at all, but one thing that you touched on that I think is very true is what my teachers would often say is Amy spends a lot of time talking. Amy spends a lot of time, you know, on the sidelines talking, not. And so that's always been my thing is relationship. I am a huge Mm. lover of people. It's really hard for me not to find the good in people. And so I do my best learning in relationship. Hmm. And I think that's one thing that flying higher and flying free has been for me is like you're learning, but then you're also learning with other people. You're sharing your stories, you're sharing your, the good and the bad. And, um, yeah, that's just, that's how I learned. No, I definitely, my teachers would laugh. Like I got kicked out out of class so many times for having a quote bad attitude. Oh yeah. Hilarious. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I I didn't, I didn't like the dead. Oh no, I didn't like certain things. And then, you know, you have to obey. And if you don't obey, then you have bad attitude. And then that is I get so intriguing to me. I would never, I would never have pegged you like that. It just goes to show you what's going on inside of a person might be very, very different than what, yeah. what you see on the outside. I think what did happen in school was an extension of my personality, though, is that when I would get in trouble, there would be sort of this feeling of injustice, like this is not fair. But then I would slip into shame and mm. then figure out what that teacher wanted from me. So they, yes. you, you follow the track, right? You get disciplined for this, but you get praised for this. So then it's like, oh, OK, this is how I know how to do this relationship. Then I've got to do this more. Yeah. So that is a dynamic that shows up in lots of, um, relationships. So, yeah, but then, and and I didn't, after a while, I, I realized that I wasn't doing good in school and that was shameful. So then I busted my butt because then, because I didn't want to be a failure. Okay. So it did kind of come out then eventually just because, because that's the way you think is I need to. And I think a lot of survivors actually have that deep down inside drive to, we, we want so badly to be loved. We're willing to do whatever it takes to get it. Yeah. Yeah. And if you come from a trauma background, your ability to be, become a chameleon is amazing. It's a huge coping skill Yeah, and you can, you can sense what people want. Um, I noticed that more after I separated from my husband and I was interacting with the church I realized like when fawning would pop up, I'd be like, what in the world did I just do? Like these people just hurt me so bad. And I just like emotionally gushed all over them. And yeah, I just realized, you know, that I, I could map people and I could read people and not in like a manipulative way, but that's a way that survivors often get love is by, um, you know, mapping people and, and knowing what people want and then becoming what people want. That's what we yeah. did so much in our, 
marriages, right? That's why it's so destructive. It's not only about changing the other person, changing their thing, but changing those loops. It's like a hook and a loop. There's a loop in us that, that it connects to. Yep. And so we lose ourselves in that marriage in becoming what that other person wants. Don't do what they don't like, what makes them angry, do what they do like, and then you're praised and loved. Yep. Yep. So that's a good segue actually into your list because you actually talk about some of these things, these things come out in your list. So why don't you go through it? So how we, how we set up, how she set up her list is she said, she would say, this is the old thought that I had before, but after doing this work, this is how I, this is how I view this situation now, or this is the new thought that I practice. So why don't you go Mm -hmm. and share some of those things with us? Okay, I will. Um, One thing I did want to mention is one reason why I made a big list of um, my old and new thoughts is because often when I'm in the groups, my brain becomes very, um, I call it jazzed, (laughs) just becomes very electrified. And so I knew I had learned so many things. And I thought I'm going to put these things down on paper and send them to Natalie, because probably within the group, I'm not going to be able to share them all. And they are just really good. Like I'm happy with the the light that the Holy spirit has, um, poured into my life. Yeah. And so I wrote them down just so that I could stay regulated, um, during the meeting. So the old thought, and this is one that I'm going to mention, um, my husband, but this is something that carries into lots of different areas of life. It's not just with my husband. So the old thought was, I believed that I was a good communicator and that if I just had the right words to say that my husband would hear me um, and that he would be less irritable, angry, and that he would be happy. Um, So this would come at a time when, you know, if something bad was happening in the family um, or if he was upset about something that happened or in his life, that if I could just find the right words and the right tone and the right time that I would be able to soothe him. And I spent a lot of time genuinely trying to do this for him. Um, The new thought is, and I really wore myself out doing this. Mm -hmm. It was very draining, um, but I was willing to do it in the hopes that he would have a breakthrough. My new thought is that it's not my responsibility to manage anyone's emotions or make them feel happiness. I could not help my husband if he was not willing or able to dig at the root beliefs that drove his anger or irritability or sadness. Yes. And that's a really hard one because I think that comes out of a a feeling of um, rescue or a savior mentality. I remember once my counselor very early on, she said that I had a bit of a savior complex and I was, I was so offended. Um, I didn't say anything to her in the moment, but I was just like, I don't think I'm Jesus Christ. Like, I think you've got this all wrong. I don't think that. But then as I walked away and I, um, like when the meeting was over and we, I was able just to live life and mull it over. I was like, yeah, I can see, I can see how rescuing and trying to speak into people's lives. That was like the, the thing that got me hooked into, um, some bad patterns. 
Yeah. Well, and this is, I think this is a very um, Christian culture kind of a thing too, that we are, it's our job to help other people. We're supposed to be discipling other people. We're supposed to be pointing, we're supposed to be giving them feedback and helping them change and managing them. And especially if you're a wife, of course, you're supposed to be Mm -hmm. helping your husband to feel good and feel happy and not be irritated. And you're not doing a very good job if, if he is feeling those things, it's basically taking responsibility for other people. And then, and then everyone is all up in everybody else's business. Don't you feel like that's kind of the culture in a lot of churches? Everyone's up in everyone else's business. It's so And then we call it community. Exactly. Oh my goodness. It actually destroys community. community. Yeah. 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 It's, it's just enmeshment. It is. It destroys but real intimacy. If I would listen to him. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, it does. No, you're right. It it destroys real intimacy. That was a big learning thing too, like understanding what intimacy was. Mm. Um, but what would often happen, and I learned this even in our dating relationship, is that when he would get really upset about things, there was a, a grain of truth to why he was upset. Like it wasn't always an irrational thing as right. to why he was upset. And if I would listen to him and patient and be patient, nothing I said often would help him. And so I would just sit there and I would just patiently listen to him. I think I did a lot of dissociation. So, Mm. you know, going to a cozy place in my mind where I could listen to it for a long period of time. And then he would say to me, Oh, I just really loved that you listened. So then I got that little bit of love. Like this person loves me when I do this. Yeah. So, and I didn't realize that that was actually very damaging to myself to sit there and listen to somebody rant for so long. It's, right. it's not, it's not a good place to be, but then when they say, and then other people had experiences too. So then they would also praise me for being so patient and loving in that way for rescuing the whole culture of it. That's it's very unhealthy. And I think it just got to the point for me where I had to, you know, it's like someone who's, who's drowning and they're saying, help, help, I'm drowning. And it feels horrible for me just to say, you know, I can't help you, but understanding how I can help, but from a distance. Right. Has right. Been really helpful. Cause nothing I could say did make a difference. He has to do, you know, whether that's your children or anybody you know, they have to do that work for themselves. And that's how they become emotional adults. But a lot of us stay in emotional ad- childhood because we're relying on mommies and daddies, whoever that may be, to em- help us emotionally regulate. And there are people who can help you do that. Counselors, therapists, all that kind of stuff. But relying on people within your family to do it, it's not its not a fair burden to put on other people. Right. That's where codependency comes into play and all the things. Yeah. Yes. I would definitely say that I am, have a lot of codependent tendencies. And so I have to be very mindful of that. And then also look at the roots of, you know, why is it upsetting to me if someone else is having big emotions? Right. Right. You know, and that, I, that's been something that I've, um, you know, even as we talked about too, about becoming an emotional adult, we did that course in flying higher, which has been very helpful for me. Yeah. The, I, this comes into play even with, with my kids. Cause I, we don't like our kids to have big emotions and to feel terrible about things or have life experiences. Mm-hmm. And it's so weird because why not? 
I mean, they're having, a, I remember the, a coach who at first, uh, the first time I'd ever heard this concept and they were like, you're so basically, are you telling me that your child is having a human experience? And I was like, oh yeah, I guess, I guess he is. And yeah. it's okay. It's okay. That's part of being human is to experience disappointment or to experience heartache or to experience loss and I don't have to fix it. It doesn't have to, we don't have to fix it. We can actually learn how to process through those kinds of terrible emotions that come over us when bad things happen to us. Yeah. That reminds me too, of like that whole idea of the stress cycle, which we've talked about in the program before too, is like being able to manage the stress cycle when things happen in our own lives. And then also instead of jumping in and rescuing or saving somebody else, teaching them or giving them ideas or whatever so that they can figure out how to manage the stress cycle in their yes. own life. Yes. Yeah. It's when like we the, save our children. We, we keep them as children, that's emotional right. children. That's right. And we want to, we want to do, instead of saving them, we want to actually equip them. Yeah. Equip them to manage their own lives. Okay. What's another belief yeah. that you had? Um, this is another one that I'm going to mention my husband, but it, it goes across lots of different people. So I believe that my husband's anger was due to my bad behavior or mistakes, the children's bad behavior and mistakes or the issues that popped up in life. So my belief was that if I could minimize these things or hide them from him, he would be happy and content with me, the children, life and God. And this was a big thing for me. I hid a lot of things from my husband because I knew that they would be upsetting to him and I didn't want him to be upset. And so I took a lot of responsibility for a lot of things, a lot of financial responsibility. I took it all in the hopes that he would just find contentment. Mm. And my new thought is my husband's emotions or anybody's emotions are driven by their heart and mind beliefs and thoughts about people, circumstances, the world, and God. Controlling circumstances will deplete me, which is very true, and it robs him and other people of the opportunity for themselves to do their own personal work towards growth. So beautiful. We don't realize, like you, when you're doing this stuff for people, you think you're doing the right thing. Yeah. You think you're being loving. I thought I was being loving. Yep. You know? And I wasn't, I was robbing him of all of these circumstances either to, you know, drive whatever into the ditch or, or for him to make the, you know, cause sometimes you need to hit rock bottom emotionally. Yeah. And so I was stealing that away from him. And then I was also stealing the, the growth that would come from him just dealing with these things and possibly reaching out to other people for help. But yep. I just took it on. And I know that's a typical dynamic in these in destructive relationships is that one person doesn't take responsibility and the other person takes a lot of responsibility. Yeah. It's like that analogy. I'm thinking of that analogy of the, you know, how the butterfly has to like struggle to get out of the Christmas. Yeah. And, yeah. um, but if you take a scissors and you cut them out so that you're like, Oh, well, I don't really want them to have to struggle. So I'll cut them out. And then the whole struggling is what actually pumps the blood from their body to the ed ends of their wings. If they don't do that struggling, their wings won't develop or they won't be able to fly actually. 
And, um, and we do that. We do that for our, we do that for people all the time. And we think, and we, again, this is like a Christian culture thing. It's like, we need to help each other. We need to know, you know what? And we even think God is supposed to do that. Well, God is supposed to rescue me. God should be cutting me out of this, this chrysalis. He doesn't do that because he knows that that's not going to actually help you to fly at all. It's going to actually ruin you. He promises to be with us in the struggle, to be there cheering us on and loving us 100% of the way. And that's what we can offer to the people around us. Hey, I love you. I know you're struggling right now. I see you. I care about you so much. I'm here cheering you on. I'm never going to leave you. I'm always going to be here to support you, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to try to control your circumstances or change things for you because that's not my job. That's not my responsibility. And if they're shooting themselves in the foot with their own bad choices, Mm -hmm. then they should experience those consequences so that they can decide, Hmm, maybe I don't want to do this anymore. Cause every time I do this, there's this negative consequence in my life. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That whole idea of the rescuing and, um, it has, you see it a lot in the church and of course, yeah, you get praised for it, for, for doing all of these things, but it's not helpful. And look out, it's just so sad. Like when you say that example of the, of the butterfly, like I can see that experience even with my children or whatever, right? Like I I want them to grow. I want them to fly. I want them to soar. You know, I want them, you know, to travel the world. I don't want to hinder them from, from growth. So being, being part of the group is helpful as I continue to go and, and work with my own children um, on that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, There's lots of, it, it sounds like a lot of truth right? A lot of these things are like, it sounds very truthful, but there's something very toxic about it. Yeah. Oh, people will put a a spiritual spin on all of it. They'll put by, they'll attach Bible verses to it. They'll, you can put a spiritual spin on anything and make it sound holy and biblical and Christ-like. And it's actually just completely destructive. Yeah. 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 So now I have a very limited interaction with um, my ex, but when he will reach out to me and he'll say that he's going through a really hard time, I feel that in, I feel it in me, my heart just sinks because I know how painful it is for him. But now I can respond in a way that says, um, wow, that must be really hard for you. And I say it genuinely, that's so hard for Mm -hmm. you. I'm so glad that you have put work into having a support circle so that you have help and support for you. And you've proven over the last few years that you are becoming more and more resilient. And I know you can get through this. Yeah. So I can, I can give him that without, without getting sucked in and losing myself in it too. Yeah. The other thing too, for people who are listening and they're thinking, well, my ex or my soon to be ex or my husband does not have any support system around him. I want you to know though, that we actually live in a day and age where there is so much more available to people for their mental health issues than ever before in the history of this planet. So, Mm -hmm. and, and even online, there's free stuff available online. There's millions of articles. You can get therapy online now for a, you know, for great prices, you can get coaching. There's so much help available, but if someone doesn't want the help, 
then they're not going to go pursue it. And it's not your job. I'll tell women, you know, you were the one Googling your questions and finding answers for your problems because you're a big girl. He's a big boy. He can do the same thing if he wants to. The only reason he's not doing it is because he's not there yet. He's not ready for that yet. He doesn't want to do it. And it's not your job to drag him kicking and screaming to therapy or counseling or a good article or a good book. Like I used to put books, you know, I used to buy my husband Mm -hmm. books and say, if you, what if we read this book together? Or maybe you could read this book and we could talk about it or that stuff doesn't work. That doesn't work. They're not interested. And if they're not interested, then they're not going to do it. And if they do do it, it's just, it's like putting on a shirt. It's not like they're just becoming who you want them to be. It's not actually heart change. It's not digging at the roots. It's not figuring things out. That's right. And so the change then might be very temporary. It's not going to be a permanent internally motivated change. Yeah. So that is where we're going to stop that the interview for this week. If you come back next week, you'll be able to listen to part two. But before I let you go this week, I want to let you know that next week, not this week, but just this is just kind of a little a little uh, teaser. Next week, I'm opening up uh, registrations for a five day thing that I'm doing. It's called reboot your life after divorce. So if you are a divorced Christian woman, or if you know someone who's a Christian woman and she's divorced, you might want to let her know about this. It's going to be five days, August 29th to September 2nd. And I'm going to be getting on, on live with those people who register from 11 o'clock to 1230, uh, every day, 11 o'clock AM central standard time to 1230 PM central standard time every day. Monday through Friday. So for five days, we're going to spend 90 minutes together every day. And I'm going to teach you some concepts. And then we're going to do some live coaching. All right, where I'm going to bring people on, and you can get coaching on the concepts that that I just taught you. So um, day one, we're going to focus on your divorce story. Day two, we're going to focus on finding happiness after divorce. Day three, we're going to talk about Where in the world was God in this mess? Day four, we'll talk about redefining our identity. And day five, we're going to talk about creating our future. So it's going to cost $19, you guys. $19 is it for five days, 90 minutes every day. And if you can't come live, it's okay because I'm going to provide you with the replays that you can watch anytime you want to. You'll have access to those replays for as long as you want. Okay. Unless I die, if I die and everything goes down, my website goes down, then you will not have access anymore. But until that day comes, you can watch the replays whenever you want to. So, um, I don't have any more details other than that. I do. Well, I do know that when that registration page opens up, you can write this down now and then and just get ready, but it's going to open up on, uh, July 1st, I'm sorry, August 1st, the registration page will open and it will be flyingfreesisterhood.com forward slash reboot, R-E-B-O-O-T. If you go to that page on August 1st, you'll be able to register, pay $19. Now, if you are already a member of Flying Higher, which is my program for divorced women, you don't need to register for this 
thing because you're going to get it. It's part of your, it's part of what I, I, I always put the things that I teach outside of the program in the program and provide those in the archives. So you don't have to do that. The only reason you might want to do it and you don't have to, but if, if you wanted to, for some reason, be there live, then of course you'd have to register to be there live. But otherwise you'll get the replays automatically. They come with your membership. So that's the scoop on that. And um, that's it for today. Thank you for listening. And until next time, fly free.